What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We have special news for you. The forgotten men and women of our country will be forgotten no longer. Are you going to send me or anybody that I know to a camp? We have people that are stupid. I love this guy yeah, right here. Really yeah. Come here. Yeah. Yeah. That's really nice. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. It's the Ricochet Podcast with Rob Long and Peter Robinson. I'm James Lilix, and today we talk to Molly Hemingway about, well, everything. Let's have ourselves a podcast. It's the Ricochet Podcast, and it's number 420. We're brought to you by the fine people at Quip. Quip is a better electric toothbrush. It was created by dentists and designers, and it starts at just $25. But only if you go to getquip.com slash ricochet right now, you'll get your first refill pack for free with a Quip electric toothbrush. And we're brought to you by Fleur. Fleur creates expertly crafted, sustainably produced perfumes with all the bad stuff sold at an honest price. It's a revolutionary way of discovering and experiencing fragrance. So go to Fleur.com today and use the promo code RICO to get 20% off your custom Fleur sample set. And we're brought to you by Calm. The Calm app gives you the tools you need to live a happier and healthier and more mindful life. Just five minutes of Calm can change your whole day. Find out by going to uh, calm.com slash ricochet where you'll get 25% off a Calm premium subscription. And, of course, we're brought to you by Ricochet itself. And, uh, you know, again, once again, Rob is a little late here, so i got to do the Rob thing. And Rob will say, hi, James, you know, we have a payroll. we got to meet – you know, we, if everybody who listened to the podcast paid for the podcast, we'd be rolling in it. Uh, and he's right, but as I'd like to say that's not your problem. Uh, we put this thing out there for free. And you hoover it up, and if we don't charge you for it, well, that's kind of our decision, isn't it? Uh, and don't you feel just a tad guilty, though, after 420 podcast? well, 419, we're going to do the 420th now, freeloading as long as you have? I mean, really, suckling at the teat of ricochet, which fountains forth great content all the time, and you just sit there and you do... <clears throat> no, I'm, no, I'm getting a little exercised. No, it's not your problem, but it will be a problem someday if you go to Ricochet to discuss the 2020 election, and shucks, it's shuttered. Uh, let's not let that happen. We've got all kinds of tiers where you can pledge and contribute, and the great thing is, is that if you contribute, you get to go to the member feed, and the member feed is where you know people talk about things that gasp aren't politics, which is cool, and it's one of the reasons at Ricochet is a great community. Go there, sign up, read the member feed, chip in, and you'll you'll know what we mean when we say it's a community. And not in the sense of YouTube commenters are a community all their own or Reddit is a community. No, 
No, it's it, it's it, it's a good place. It's a good place to be. I one of the founders here, of course, is Peter. Hello, Peter. Hello, James. How are you? Dandy. So Texas, Beto O'Rourke. Um, they threw a lot of money at this guy, and they thought he's got teeth like a Kennedy. He should win. He should win. <laughs> That's beautifully put. Um, yes, he's raised a little over $38 million, which is more than any candidate for the United States Senate has ever raised before. I beg your pardon. I believe it's in one quarter, has ever raised in one quarter in American history. It is just staggering. So we have that data point. The other data point, the other big news from Texas over the last week is that since the Kavanaugh hearings, Ted Cruz has finally broken the race open. So the liberals are pitching money into Beta O'Rourke, and Ted Cruz now leads by six or seven points. As also, Heidi Heitkamp, the Democrat running for re-election in North Dakota, voted against the Kavanaugh nomination, and she's done. That race is just over. She's now trailing her Republican challenger by double digits. That will be a pickup. Frankly, that's about the only one. That tech, Ted's going to win in Texas, and Heidi Heidkamp is going to lose in North Dakota. And the other big news, it's such a quick reversal that I'm a little skeptical it's going to stick. But in Tennessee, the Republican who's Nate Bredit? No. Now, I, I, my problem with Tennessee is I can't remember who's the Republican, who's the Democrat. Save me, James. In any event, the Republican was trailing, has been trailing the whole race, running behind the former governor, Democratic former governor, who's about as moderate as, as as a Democrat can be these days. And since the Kavanaugh hearing, she's now up by five, six points. So uh, it looks as though the Republicans are likely to keep the seat in Tennessee, keep the seat in Texas, pick up the seat in North Dakota. The, the two that I myself am watching now, Heller, the Republican Heller running for re-election in Nevada has I believe the conventional wisdom on Republicans uh, among in Republican circles is that Heller is the weakest or the most exposed or vulnerable of the Republican candidates. Uh, his opponent has been leading him throughout the race until now. That's a dead heat. In Florida, Rick Scott is running against uh, Bill Nelson for the Senate. Bill Nelson, who uh, just effectively brain dead as far as I can tell. Rick Scott, but Rick Scott has been trailing by a point or two. That seems to be a dead heat now. So Republicans may actually pick up on net. They may pick up a seat or two, uh, which would be a, a remarkable thing. All this a turnaround as a result, or at least coincident with the Kavanaugh hearings, which they're, they're, means democracy seems to work, right? What do you well, well, yes, but the more democracy works, if democracy works and the result is that the right stays in power or gains additional power, that means that democracy is not working. Yeah. Um, my, my favorite part, and I say favorite with a pained smile in the last ooh, month or so, is we were told that Donald Trump, if he were elected, would tear down all of the constitutional norms. And that was because he had an authoritarian instinct and uh, didn't seem to know it was necessary and had no reverence for it and flew by the yes, seat of his yes. pants, etc. Now what we have is the Senate has to go, the Supreme Court has to go, or has to be packed, the uh, proportional representation has to be, you know, we, we have to have proportional representation now in the Senate, everything has to be by direct vote. All of these institutions that were perfectly fine when they elected the right people, now have to be modified and throw in the dust heap of history because they're they're producing the wrong result. Almost as if reverence to the Constitution is not baked into the left side of the equation these days. Amazingly enough, amazingly the, enough. Well, that's what happens when you go from liberal to leftist. What is going on in Arizona? Isn't the candidate there who was talking about the state being the meth lab of democracy and the rest of it? Yeah, in Arizona. Charming lass. Charming lass. Cinema. 
Uh, this is what happens when you go to Netroots and you speak to friendly audiences and you love those yuck lines and you just keep <laughs> slamming your own state as a bunch of, you know, uh, sunburned bubbas. Um, there's going to be a lot of tape to roll when it comes time for you. So I think that that uh, isn't going to do her any favors. But the Bresden – is it Bresden where the – where the, uh, Bresden, Bresden is the Democrat former governor running in Tennessee against Martha Blackburn. I've got right. the and, and didn't he uh, – didn't James O'Keefe and Project Veritas go and talk to a bunch of people in his campaign who basically said the voters are stupid – and uh, he's just, uh, you know, he's, this whole thing about he won't be a pawn of Schumer is like, you know, come on, you know, he'll he'll be predictably Democratic vote, and you know, we have to say that we don't hate Trump, but we do. And it, it, rather damning footage from the people who work for his campaign, and I don't, I can't tell as it's made a single ripple in the press. And I think it's just because if James O'Keefe is attached to it, they yeah. assume that some sort of trickery and skullduggery and magic editing was done. You know, even though he'll dump three hours of raw footage out, it just, you know, the the guy could come up with a second Zapruder tape, and they would say, you know, yeah, well, okay, so it's a different, it's a different vantage point. Um, you know, and it uh, shows Oswald's face in the book depository, but uh, you know, that's it's from O'Keefe, so what you. Know, it's it's uh, it's uh, it's interesting. It is interesting. By the way, at latest in Arizona, I just checked this while you're ch- cinema is the Democrat who's been leading throughout most of the race. And this past summer had a six, seven point lead. And in the latest poll, she is now down. Actually, it's too close to call. It's well within the margin of error. But the latest polls show the Republican Martha McSally up, not quite a point, but up over cinema for the first time. Well, she had, she was up over cinema a little bit in late September, but she's that race is definitely in play. Definitely in play. This could be an interesting last three weeks here. Absolutely, audible applause coming from uh, the Arizona Republicans there. And speaking of audible, um, ah, nicely done. They're not our sponsor. Quip is. Quip, um, which I've already <laughs> used twice today because okay. I've had two meals and I love those things. Quip. What is Quip? Q U I P. Well. Well, it's a toothbrush. Well, how hard can that be? You get there's a million toothbrushes in the market, right? Well, this one was designed to make brushing your teeth more simple, affordable, and even enjoyable. And I'm here to vouch for that. I love brushing my teeth with this thing. I, Quip features these sensitive sonic vibrations. It's very gentle on your gums. If you have sensitive gums, don't worry about it. It's not going to abrade them. It's going to make them feel healthier. Why? Well, many people brush too hard. <clears throat> Grind that brush in there. And some electric toothbrushes, they're too abrasive. You know, you can just feel the enamel coming off. No. Quip's built-in two-minute timer pulses every 30 seconds to remind you, hey, time to switch sides. That quadrant's done. Let's move to this one. It helps to guide you for a full and even clean. Up to 90% of us don't brush for the full two minutes, right? I mean, that feels good. You're spitting, you're out. Or they don't clean evenly. With Quip, you feel wrong if you stop brushing your teeth before it stops. You just feel as though you've done a wrong thing and you just keep going with it. Uh, it's got a multi-use little cover, too. It clips right to your mirror, sticks there, and it unmounts so you can slide it over your bristles for any time you want to take your teeth around the world someplace. It declutters your sink as well, your cabinet. It makes traveling with an electric toothbrush even easier. Yes, it does. Uh, it does not require a clunky charger. Isn't that nice? In the future, everything will be powered by USB, and you can just plug it into your laptop. But, but Quip, no, it runs for three months on one charge. The brush heads, this is the important part, they're automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just $5. Think of the last toothbrush you bought, right? 
It was probably a little bit more than that. And it, the brushes splayed, and it began to smell. You never have to go through that again with Quip. Three out of four used bristles that are worn out, old, and effective, and that's probably you. So now, join Quip. It's one of the first electric toothbrushes accepted by the American Dental Association, and it has thousands of verified five-star reviews, real people. So like I say, I like to say this every week. When I go to the dentist and I tell him that I use the Quip, he doesn't even bother to give me that complimentary toothbrush at the end of it because he knows I've got a better one waiting at home. So we love Quip. They're backed by over 20,000 dental professionals. It starts at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash ricochet, G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash ricochet right now, you'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash ricochet. And our thanks to Quip for sponsoring this, the Ricochet Podcast. And now we welcome back to the podcast, Molly Hemingway, senior editor at The Federalist, Fox News contributor, beloved Ricochet alumnus. Welcome, Molly. Hey, that Kavanaugh story, that's old and over. There's nothing to be learned from it. We've moved on, right? Or are there some lessons yes. here that we can take away? You know, it's it's weird being a week or so out from when he was finally confirmed because those three weeks leading up to that were some of the worst weeks I think we've gone through as a country in terms of media coverage and just how, how well we as a people understand some of our founding principles. Uh, but it was not a good week or not a good period of time for media credibility. I cannot believe some of the stories they ran with and just how all standards seem to just fly out the window. But are the standards ever coming back? Excuse me, Peter here. Was that were the standards flying out the window or was this just a reveal of what has been going on for a long time now, but particularly under Donald Trump? Did we just wake up and see not only what the Democrats were capable of, and I still can hardly believe that all 10 of the Democrats on that committee put up with it and went along with it, but set them aside, New York Times, CNN, MSNBC, organizations that would still tell you they're impartial and capable of reporting the news were engaged in open advocacy, dropping standards temporarily or just revealing themselves? No, I think it's I think it's both that we have seen this happening for a long time, but also that this was truly uniquely bad in a way that we haven't seen before. This is only the latest in a long series of journalistic failures, and it explains why people have such low regard for the media and why they have that why they feel they can no longer trust what they're reading from some of these mainstream publications. But they're just I was shocked by some of the stories. I mean USA Today running a story saying that Judge Kavanaugh shouldn't be around children. I mean this is a married man with daughters whose basketball team teams he coaches. And the idea that because there was no evidence of anything wrong at all that he should no longer be able to be involved in his daughter's life, lives. I mean, that's just, that's appalling, appalling. And I don't know how anyone could allow something like that to be published. Even if you have the strongest political objection to Kavanaugh, you have to remember that this is a real human being with a real family and with children who need their father in their lives. Hey, Molly, it's Rob Long. Thank you for joining us. So here, I'm going to ask you just to put on a shrinks, your shrinks hat. You're now officially my therapist for the next, you know, two minutes. <laughs> what, what do I do? I'm starting to like, you know, walk through airports and think about wearing a MAGA hat. You know, I like I, the, 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 I am exactly that thing, that person that the Kavanaugh hearings galvanized. I was thinking to myself, 
you know, I'm, I'm not a fan of the president. I'm not a fan of the kind of man he is. I don't admire him. Um, I don't I don't aspire to be like him. I don't think anyone should. I think he's, you know. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, and yet, and yet, Molly, let him and, run with this. And you, yet, you, you have no title, idea how good it here. The feels title of my autobiography, I think, will be "And Yet." So, <laughs> what do I do, Molly Hemingway, Doctor Hemingway? What do I do? I mean, well, I, I think you're not alone, first of all, but I, I heard from nice. so many friends. I'm like most never Trumpers only friend who's not never Trump. So they always talk to me about <laughs> Exactly. That's I why I, from, <laughs> I heard from so many of them that were making jokes about, you know, does the MAGA hat come in a fedora style? <laughs> so I think I'm ready to wear it, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm just, before you keep going, I'm just going to... I'm just going to lie down here on the couch and like, this is, I'm going to be, I'm just, I want you to think of me and I'm on the couch in your office and I'm, I'm what I'm anguished. Tell me, tell me it's all going to be okay. But I think that what was interesting about the moment was that you saw what, what they were doing to someone who was so unlike Donald Trump. I mean, Donald Trump really is a guy with all these moral failings. And so when you see his name dragged through the mud, you think, well, kind of serves him right. He left these wives or whatever, you know, whatever the thing is. Uh, With Kavanaugh, it was not that type of person. It was a man who, by all accounts, is very well-respected and lived his life morally. Does he like beer? Yes, he likes beer. Still likes beer. Um, But that you could do this to a man like that, I think was very clarifying and it was a unifying moment for a lot of people. And it showed that, you know, I think sometimes the problem that people have is they make too much about Donald Trump and being able to see that the media were behaving in the same exact fashion they do toward Donald Trump, if not worse, towards someone much less deserving of their opprobrium, I think is a helpful experience to go through because it, it is clarifying. It shows you that you're dealing with people who are not always good people. That is certainly true. That has certainly been the case for me. In a strange way, it's sort of Donald Trump has forced everyone to, to clarify their position, right? Uh, if you hate Donald Trump so much or you're in the media, it sort of, as far as you're concerned, gives you like this carte blanche to, to attack anybody, right? To, like, to, to use whatever tactics you want um, to, to, to make your point or to get your way. And 
on the other side, if you're on my side, if you, you, you find him just this you know, reprehensible creature, you have to remind yourself, as you just said, to, to separate the politics or the partisan politics of the moment and look at what really happened. I mean, I, just to bring this to, sort of, to, to, the, to the past 24 hours, in the past 24 hours, Donald Trump made a speech um, in Ohio in which he compared he, uh, the two great Civil War generals, Grant and Robert E. Lee. Yes. And he was actually making a fascinating point from a person who, who rarely, if ever, engages in any kind of meaningful introspection. He was making a fascinating point. He was saying that Grant, for all of his faults, he was a hard drinker. He was, had plenty of personal failings. He was, uh, he, nobody respected him except Lincoln. And Grant, despite all of his manifest failings and his alcoholism, uh, managed to beat in the field, the one of the greatest generals of his day, of his day, Robert. E. I, Peter, are you feeling like somebody who's watched a guy come late to class, raise his hand, and then just <laughs> oh, answer? Oh, I'm a sorry. Point? No, no, no. <laughs> go with it. Go with it. Go with it. Go, go, go. No, no, I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding you. Do it again. I mean, if you already done it, then we should not do it again. No, um, go on, go on. But it was an interesting position, interesting point that actually was sort of newsworthy. Like that should give Sunday morning talk show hosts a chance to talk even to run Donald Trump down if they want. But instead they went for Trump praises Robert E. Lee. Yeah, it's amazing. They didn't even, un- I mean, it's, it's amazing, except it's, it's what they do all the time. And that, once you see it, you can't yes. unsee it. Right. Um, Dr. Dr. And, Hemingway, may I ask Dr. Hemingway a question as well? Yes. I am not, I'm not going through quite the anguish of never Trump or Rob Long. Uh, on the other hand, I I have always ins- I said don't don't look at Trump it's an almost unbearable sight just look at the policies. Now I saw something during the Kavanaugh week, and I just want to check with you whether I really saw it or whether I am hallucinating. All week long, Donald Trump effectively disappeared. He was almost entirely disciplined in his tweets and in his absence. And then when he swore, when he oversaw the swearing in of now Justice Kavanaugh in the East Room of the White House, from the beginning of that ceremony until the end, including the words that he spoke, he looked presidential. He looked, Donald Trump looked presidential. Am I mad? Well, you're, you're actually a little bit wrong in that he did, in the week leading up to that, Say during a rally, he pointed out that Christine Blasey Ford's testimony was riddled with inconsistencies, and, yes. and he made fun of didn't her. make sense. Right. I do, I do not agree that he made fun of her. I think he oh, said really? what a lot of people. Yeah, I know. Everyone said it was mocking and making fun of her, but in my mind, I was shocked that there wasn't more conversation. When I watched the hearing, I saw that prosecutor, you know, the the woman asking her questions, yes, Rachel yes. Mitchell, asking a series of questions that revealed that she was contradicting herself. And then nobody, when you watch the news afterwards, they'd say, "Oh, she was so compelling and credible." And I'd think, well, she was lying about her fear of flying. Yes. So, you know, I would think like she was lying about this, or she she told contradictory things about this. But yes, I thought that that ceremony was important for the apology. When he apologized on behalf of the nation for what he had had to go through, I was disappointed that it had to come from Trump. I think it, I think there should have been more Democrats to apologize. I was disappointed that none of the people were able to withstand the pressure from within the party to say what we did to this man was wrong. But, but I'm glad that one, Not one. Even where's, where's, where's fair play Joe Biden? Zero. Silence. Not but one. 
I don't think they think there's any political upside to doing that. I think that yep. just maintaining the the idea that Donald Trump put a rapist on the Supreme Court and now right. there's two and now there's two of them uh, is what they need uh, because it makes people. I, I, I mean, we may look at this and say the the man was maligned and the rest of it. What it, the other side looks at this and says this was all about not listening to women, and it doesn't matter whether or not it happened to her, and it doesn't matter mm-hmm. or not whether or not he did it. It, it. People like him do it to other people, and to have it not immediately become that's the issue made people incandescently furious and they are still so and they ought to go to calm.com oh, right now oh, I'm doing this, I'm, oh, come on i'm doing nice this as quickly, quickly as i can because yes. i want to get molly back to here but really these are exercising times and if you find yourself hyperventilating or furious or just a fine spume of rage and blood coming out of your ears periodically you might want to try meditation. Be like Rob. Be calm like Rob. Have you ever meditated personally, you, you listener? And if not, uh, what do you think it would do for you if you learned how to do it? Well, it would make you calm. And that's where we're excited. To, excited may not be the word. We're calmly excited <laughs> to partner with Calm. It's the number one app for sleep, meditation, and relaxation. It was even named Apple's 2017 app of the year. Calm gives you the tools you need to live a happier, healthier, and more mindful life. Just five minutes of Calm can change your whole day. If you go to calm.com slash ricochet, you'll get 25% off a Calm premium package, which includes hundreds of hours of premium programs, including guided meditations on issues like anxiety, stress, focusing, relationships, including a brand new meditation every day called The Daily Calm. It has sleep stories, so like bedtime stories for grown-ups, and, and so much more. Did you read that Washington Post editorial this last week from the woman who screamed at her husband for 30 minutes because he said something wrong and all the rage of her life and all the rage of all the women in the world came out of her? She needs <laughs> calm. <laughs> she needs something like this to just make life better because it ought to be and it can be. For a limited time, Ricochet podcast listeners can get 25% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash ricochet. That includes unlimited access to all of Calm's amazing content. So get started today at calm.com slash ricochet. That's calm.com slash ricochet. And our thanks to Calm for sponsoring this, the Ricochet podcast. Molly, before you joined, Peter and I were talking about the Kanye West uh, thing, thing, which has just divided the entertainment community. Uh, 75% of them hate him now and 25% of them hate him intensely. Uh, and, and the discussions of his behavior have been quite interesting in, saying who can, in, in telling us who can say what. How do you look at this whole little incidence? I don't know. It was when we were when I was watching him in the Oval Office. It's that reminder of just how weird things are these days. But <laughs> I always think Kanye is kind of weird. Although I do like his music a lot of it. Um, but what was interesting to me was more the reaction to him being there and how enraged people got that he was saying things that you're not supposed to say, like you don't have to vote Democrat or. I, you know, like just he he speaks in a weird way, but he says really um, interesting things. And I think people find it threatening that mm. such a huge celebrity like him is aligning himself with Trump because it's very important that you make that something you can't do, that you cannot survive that. And so you're seeing people just come so hard against him because it threatens the whole sort of argument that if you're black, you have to be Democrat. And if you are in Hollywood or in, in entertainment, you have to support Democrats. And I think that people shouldn't be so threatened by it. Like he can support whomever he wants and he can say whatever he wants. And he and his wife, Kim have actually probably done more for criminal justice reform than a thousand celebrities doing whatever else they're doing because they actually do talk to the president and advocate for, for who they want to receive commutations. But, 
Although one of the commutations that Kanye sought was one that should not be granted. Molly, Molly, Peter here. Is the, isn't there a relation? No. Uh, leading question. Yeah, leading question. Do with it what you want to. But isn't there a relationship between what we saw with Kavanaugh and the rage at Kanye West in the following sense? If Kavanaugh got on the court and now he's on the court, there was going to be and now there is a 5-4 originalist constitutional constructionist majority. In other words, a conservative majority on the court and the Democratic game of using the Supreme Court to get what they wanted but couldn't legislate would be over for the foreseeable future. And they were furious. Kanye West, if African-Americans begin voting for Republicans in even very small numbers, the Democratic Party in district after district and state after state is doomed. So these people were squawking because their jobs are at stake for many of them. Am I right about that or over-constructing it? No, I think that's I think that is true. And I think that you're seeing a lot of what you hear in the mainstream media narrative is that the Republican Party is imploding and it's a disaster and there's going to be a blue wave and um, demographically they're on the outs. And then you look at actual polling and you say, you know, like in in Texas, Mm -hmm. more than it seems like 40 percent of Hispanics are voting for Ted Cruz in Nevada. 40% of Hispanics are voting for Heller. Uh, Trump got more black votes than Mitt Romney, even though the narrative was that no black person could ever vote for him. And things are going well in those numbers. And I think people say, we cannot cannot let that happen um, because it's very threatening to Democratic electoral prospects. But in general, it's not healthy that, you know, you don't want to see parties, uh, you don't want to see racial groups voting in mass in blocks. Sure. Um, that's not right. healthy for anyone, I don't think. Hey, so Molly, um, uh, two questions here. The first question is, it, you said it was weird. Things are really weird. I think things are really weird. And Kanye West kind of embodies the weirdness, not because he's weird uh, and maybe, you know, maybe he's not so, uh, you know, um, stable. That could be true. But also it wasn't that long ago, or maybe it was, maybe it's an old man, but it wasn't that long ago. The conservatives were up in arms about Kanye West saying on a, uh, Katrina, uh, uh, Hurricane Katrina fundraising telethon. George W. Bush doesn't care about black people, and um, he was at that point he was absolutely the hero of the left and the scourge of the right. <laughs> now he's in the Oval Office wearing not a MAGA hat because he said, uh, you know, the MAGA hats uh, make America great again. And the again part hurts black people, so make America great is the hat he is. He's just MAG, not MAGA. And now the left is outraged, and the right, he's the hero to the right. Is it is it because we're 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 nuts? We're all nuts. We're all weird. Uh, you think that Kanye West is sort of like he he's he's grown in office, as they used to say about certain Supreme Court justices, or um, or is there something else weird happening in America? And I, that's a leading my leading question for you to talk about it. I do think everyone is way too political and tribal, and they think only about whether it hurts their party or helps their party. But yeah, it's the same Kanye saying, doing what he does really well, which is saying provocative things that you're not supposed to say. But I would think that people should be wise enough to think of it this way. When he said that about George W. Bush, and I have nothing but disagreements with George W. Bush, but I thought that was pretty unfair what he said. You cannot deny that he was capturing a sentiment that a large percentage of black people felt. And so that's why I think people should be cautious. Again, they should think through this. Maybe they don't like that he's in the Oval Office with Trump, or maybe they do like it. But more interesting to me is that he's capturing some kind of sense or feeling that, like for me, even when he said that thing about how wearing a MAGA hat gives him power, 
I, I live in a place where you're not allowed to say anything positive about Donald Trump or else people just say that you've, you know, you've lost your mind. And, and I do sometimes say positive things about him and I do find it very empowering to resist the pressure. And so when he said that, I kind of thought, I get what he's saying. When you can be like, if you can withstand that pressure to say something or speak your mind, even though, you know, even though, you know, you're not supposed to, it's a, it's a very powerful thing. Um, and so I think explain that what you mean is like doing moral pushups or something. You get stronger from it. I'm just not sure I'm following the point, Molly. I'm sure you're onto something profound. I'm just not sure I've got it. Yeah. I'm not sure if I can articulate it well. And I apologize for that, but I know that I know that I feel a lot of pressure to join the group in DC and always say stuff against Donald Trump. And, you know, I do. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I do a fair amount of criticism, but mostly I like to talk about things in a different way. And when I do it, I get a lot of pushback, but when I, I feel good about myself that I'm able to withstand the peer pressure. Got it. Got it, it. It's makes like me it's feel an assertion of self-respect in a certain right. sense. Right. Got it. Yeah. Got it. I'm going to let, I, I'm gonna let okay. you finish, Molly, but I have to say that uh, what it is. <laughs> What it is, they'll say, is that you're just finally realizing that the the culture has a has permitted you, enabled you to be the racist that that you always were. That that what you're getting in, what, I'm serious. That you're you're act, we're now free to speak these horrible things because Donald Trump has granted permission to be the the awful people that they are. And it's odd because you would think that the ability to say to somebody in Washington D.C. that you found this legislative initiative good or this comment to be actually correct doesn't that indicate that you are capable of seeing shades of gray as opposed to the black and white and we we're always told by the left that that's 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 their secret weapon they don't see things in binary sense they're not manichaean sorts they see all the nuances but when we start to nuance uh, uh donald trump all of a sudden they're the manichae they're they're the ones who are utterly binary and black and white yeah, it's like binary systems on, binary systems off. Like it, it, they just kind of go back and forth in terms of whether you're allowed to think in a binary fashion or not. But this is a great example. Kanye was there to talk about criminal justice reform, and that is an issue that is of uh, tremendous concern to the black community because of the disproportionate number, you know, numbers affected. Mm-hmm, uh, right. And this is something that I wish people could say. Let's put aside some. Like, could we just stop being politically tribal for a moment and? Think about what we could do in a moment where we where we all care right. about criminal justice reform, but no, apparently we can't do that. We have to pick our and, teams and, you know, and go one way or the other. And you know what also is important to the black artistic community? Royalties. And, and I believe there was a signing ceremony there for a bill that extends protection and, and sort of codifies the way by, by which streaming systems are obligated to pay royalties. 
uh, to musicians. That also got completely glossed over. Now, it's not something that I believe was burning in Donald Trump's heart for all these years, but uh, he signed it. And there you go. But me saying that is just because I'm empowered now to just well, speak my – but Molly, do you think that happens? Do you think it's happening in other groups? I mean, I, I, I read the same um, statistics for you know his support for Donald Trump among Hispanics that you did, and it, it was astonishing. I mean, it really was kind of an arresting moment where you think, well, wait a minute, they're supposed to at at the very least dislike him, at the very most be energized to hate him, and yet that those two words again, and yet. It, it isn't happening. Yeah, and I think that there are some pretty, like basic reasons for that. Like mm-hmm. the country is going really well if you're not yes. spending all your time on social media. Yes, the economy exactly. is thriving, and it's thriving in a way for the first time in a long time where it's affecting people who are outside that top top economic quartile. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's filtering down to a lot of different groups, and that is an exciting thing. There's job opportunities that weren't there before, um, and things just are going well. We're not. We're not launching any new wars, knock on wood, anytime soon. Um, And so if you were on social media, it seems like everything is going to hell in a handbasket. And how could you be anything other than 100% opposed to Donald Trump? But I think most people are just thinking, well, this is actually going well. You know, they, they were expecting it to be maybe really not good. And it's going not just all right, but pretty well. And so I think that has to be reflected in those numbers. I don't know. Well, I guess my next question then is sort of based on that. And it, it, are we looking at a moment? I mean, this is this is. I'm just trying this out. Right? For me, a big part of who I am politically and my political beliefs came when the Berlin Wall fell, because not only was it not supposed to fall, but you know, and obviously we're here with the Mr. Berlin Wall himself. But <laughs> it was vulgar to even demand that it fall. And it was kind of uh, small-minded and petty and stupid and sort of, uh, you know, kind of flyover country kind of uh, reductionism to believe that the Soviet Union was an enemy. They should have been our friend. It's a different system, of course, but it's a system that works. And then suddenly the wall came down, really, which was astonishing to people uh, behind the wall, many of them, and also to people in political science departments here in the United States. Um, but if you were paying attention, all you knew was that everything people have been telling you, for me in my age, in high school and college about communism, about the Cold War, about who was right and who was wrong, um, was suddenly upended. And so if, you're, if you are one of those you know, sort of groups, just say you're a Hispanic group, and you've been told that you're, mm-hmm. it's going, life's going to get very hard for you. And these are very dark times. And if you talk to any academic I'm, – I'm right here in an academic conference right now, and it is considered – Absolutely okay to say things like, well, obviously, we're living in very dark times now. And then there's sort of a murmur of assent throughout the audience. <laughs> but if you're not there, it must be – you must must force you to call into question all sorts of things like who your real political – who your real – where your real political loyalties lie or should lie. But do you think anything like that is going to happen or do you think this is just going to be a little blip and it's entirely Trump-related and in five years when we have a new president in there, six years, it's all going to be gone? No, I think that this is a really important moment and it's not just in this country but globally where a lot of assumptions that people held in sort of the Cold War, post-Cold War, you know, post-World War II era are being questioned about the way that we were managing our positions of strength and also like 
not just in terms of foreign policy or banking systems or things like that, but going all the way down to like how we interact with each other in terms of political correctness. There were all these rules. You know, people always yes, praise yes. the rules-based order, and you think of it mostly in an international sense, but that rules-based order was kind of becoming this way that we had to talk amongst ourselves too. And there's something very liberating in knocking down that wall of how mm-hmm. you're supposed to speak and words you're allowed to say and words you're not allowed to say. Um, and I think people are getting a taste of that freedom and thinking maybe we don't have to give up this fight. And that is a much more universal call to freedom than Republican Party or Democratic Party. There was a poll this week showing that political correctness is deeply unpopular and people mm-hmm. really worry about yes. it. And that's, well, we, that's we'd still be talking about we'd still be talking about a rule based order and we'd still be talking about the importance of international institutions if people hadn't felt that it was developing into this snooty sclerotic layer that wanted just to do what was best for us. As I mentioned before, I think it was a EU decision to regulate the power consumption of British kettles so that it would take longer for their tea to, go, you know, to boil. <laughs> right. That finally made the Britons say, that's enough. We've had it. Get, <laughs> exactly. get, get your Brussels sprouty smelling fingers out of my life. Uh, Molly, get so, your hands uh, off my get, pot. Get, very, very, there's one moment in the Woodward book, Fear. There's only one moment that's useful as far as I can tell. But Trump is meeting the generals. And Trump explodes about Afghanistan and says, we've been there for 16 years and you're the ones who got us into it. What, what comes next? And Woodward has, quote, some unknown person is saying, that's the thing about Trump. He's always questioning the premises as if that was a bad thing, as if that was a bad thing. Exactly what you said, Molly. Rules are getting questioned. And this crazy man, Donald Trump, is questioning all of these premises. And people say, you know what? I'm not sure what the answer is, but he's right to ask the question. Last subject before we let you go, because we know you have a Saturday to get to, and that is you've (laughs) seen the Gosnell movie, and I'm guessing that most major media outlets will treat it like a Dinesh D'Souza production directed by James O'Keefe and will ignore it. (laughs) What did you think? Yeah, I I just got home from seeing it, and it is incredibly powerful. And I, I didn't really know what to expect. I... I don't really love seeing, you know, like a political movie or something with a strong agenda. And I was so elated to see this because it's just a very well told story. It is a Molly, remind us, who was Dr. Gosnell? What's the subject? Just just basically, we won't remember the story itself. Gosnell is a man who ran an abortion clinic in Philadelphia for decades and ended up being imprisoned for the murder of several of the children that he delivered alive and then killed after they were alive. He was also on trial for the murder of a woman who died in his clinic. Other women had died at his clinic or other people. And like his preferred method of killing babies was to deliver them and snip their spines. It's a horrific story. And it was also interesting because once he was finally brought to justice or when they started to take him to trial, even though there were all sorts of interesting stories about he was a very, he was a black man who would give preferable treatment to white patients over black patients. He had, he was basically running a a drug operation out of the clinic. He had a filthy clinic that was not safe to evacuate patients if they needed medical care. There were so many interesting angles, no matter what your you know pet project is, your pet issue, immigration, abortion, healthcare, drugs, all sorts of things. And the media almost refused to cover it. And it was a, lo- it was a people, local crime story, I think, the, uh, the, the New York Times said. Yes. 
That was no, that was a Washington Post Washington reporter Post. who said that to me when I asked her why she wasn't covering it when she covered every other abortion story under the sun to the tune of like 80, 80 stories about some random little you know thing that helped the pro-choice side. And she told me, we don't cover local crime. And I was like, okay, which is not true. Wow. Papers cover wow. local crime all the time, particularly when it's of such major significance. So finally, mm-hmm. the media were shamed into covering the story. And this movie is just about him being this prolific serial killer who, who was doing really bad stuff for decades. And the casting was so good. Like, I, I couldn't believe how well cast the Gosnell doctor was. He, it was almost like seeing actual Kermit Gosnell on film. He played him perfectly and it was just really well done. I, it was just a very well done story, although it is very intense. I will, I will say that I, I kind of cried throughout the whole. Who made show. the movie? This is not a major Hollywood production. Who made the movie? So there are these, um, it's Spellum and Anne McElhaney. Is that their name? I'm sorry. I'm totally awful with names sometimes. Um, McLear. Irish. McLear. Thank you. Sorry. I'm horrible with names. Um, who, heard about the story and they just couldn't believe what an interesting story it was. So they put it together. Nick Searcy directs and stars in it and kind of steals the show. He's like really good playing the part of Kermit Gosnell's defense attorney. And it's just, you know, it's, it's, it is a very you know sad, but important story for people to know that this happened in America mm-hmm. and that it took a lot of work to, to bring this man to justice. And I just to say, the, the, I don't know much about the the actual the, the full IMDb report of the picture, but uh, Andrew Claven wrote a, a version of first draft, or one of the drafts they used. Um, yeah. Story or teleplay, I can't quite remember what it was. Uh, yeah. And this was this was this was if if this is the kind of movie you want to see, then you should go see it because you should vote with your dollars because it it was independently financed, it's going to be independently distributed, and if conservatives like this kind of media, they're going to have to make it and, themselves and, and like, support themselves. So yeah. It would be an issue of go now too. You should go like this weekend yeah. as soon as possible to see accept how it works. But, um, but it's very much worth your time. And if, you know, if you can handle the difficult topic, it's like a gripping, very emotional, but very interesting and, and well-told tale. Well, thanks, Molly. And uh, I'm bad at names, too, so don't feel bad about that. Uh, We've been speaking with Mary Catherine Hemingway. I'm sorry. (laughs) Molly Hemingway. Molly Hemingway. Uh, We'll read you at The Federalist, and of course, we'll follow you on Twitter. We are lots of fun as well. Thanks for joining us in the podcast today, Molly. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks, Molly. Tell Mark we said hello. Oh, will do. You know, I was going to ask her there, perhaps, if Mark is in need of some cologne, because, uh, <laughs> well, you chuckle as if, as, if, as if this is the most obvious thing in the world. I mean, for heaven's sakes, it is. And if I'm thinking of fragrance right now, it's because my dog just walked in and he's been freshly washed. And let me tell you, this guy had become a little high. But now he's got that great dog smell. And I'm wondering if that's one of the top notes that somebody will ever put in. Because there's all these wonderful aromas, right? There's mimeograph fluid. Some people like yeah. the smell of a Sharpie. There's all these great things. Remember that when you were a kid and then like, you got I, a ditto? Uh, oh, ditto. Ditto, ditto fluid oh, was the best. So people have these – you have emotional reactions to aromas. And obviously I'm doing a perfume commercial here. But you know, the thing of it is, is when you go to the store and you try to buy some perfume, it's the worst possible place because there's just this cacophony of, of aromas there at the perfume counters, right? There's somebody standing there with spritz 
putting something on a little paper strip and waving it at you, or you put it on and you really, you know, you, you, you get it off because you don't like it's the worst way to develop Frank. What if there was, what if he said, leading up to something, what if there was a way that didn't just sell you what you smell there in the store, but came up with a different way to tell you what you wanted? Because the idea of buying perfume online sounds absurd, doesn't it? It's like, well, until Smell-O-Vision is invented, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to tell what this is. But that's just the deal. Now, here's what Fleur does. Um, you know, me, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about fragrance. Before, I never did. Now, I don't because I've got this Fleur sampler set, which I love. And, you know, some guys may have their go-to stuff and it works for them. I've got several go-to ones and they all work for me. Women, however, think about this a little bit differently. They notice what men wear and they have great emotion about what they put on themselves. So if you're a guy, maybe ditch the body spray from college, you know, in that designer cologne you picked out about five, six years ago because it's probably stale. Go to Fleur. Here's what's different. Well, first of all, they're created by world-class perfumers. They're inspired by real moments for your real life. Is that some silly idea that a celebrity comes up with? You should wear this, and I've got a bottle that's shaped like my head. No, no, no. What matters is what you like. And how do you find what you like online? You go to floor and you watch pictures. You listen to music. Every one of the scents has its own sort of emotional profile online. And if you like what you hear and what you see, the odds are you're going to like the scent. That's how it works and believe me, work, it does. You find something that it connects with you with these, all these other sensory inputs. And then what you do is you choose three and they come to you in this small little containers. You get to sample them. It's not so small that you use them in a day. And if you like something you get, you get the purchase price that you paid for the samples applied to what you finally buy. Um, I right now am wearing, it's called Olmsted and Vox. Olmsted, I think, maybe a reference to the great landscape designer. I have no idea, but it's me, and I like it. It's a completely transparent fragrance company. They tell you every ingredient in the product. That's why it's there. there no secrets, no nasty chemicals, no BS. Everything is certified, friendly. It's just a great product, and I love it. Go to floor.com today and use the promo code RICO to get 20% off your custom floor sample set. Pick three cents to try and your credit towards a full-size bottle of your favorite. That's promo code RICO, R-I-C-O, at floor.com to try three floor fragrances of your choice. 20% off, P-H-L-U-R.com. And our thanks to Floor for sponsoring this, the Ricochet Podcast. Uh, Rob, you're in Oxford, Mississippi. My gosh, that sounds very literary, literary of you. What's the mood there on the ground? How are people? Well, you know, the mood is sort of what we've been talking about. The mood, depending on who you're speaking to, depending on, um, you know, what branch of the, you know, United States intellectual complex they're in, uh, it's either, hey, unemployment's in, in, the, in the threes and the GDP seems to be growing, things are good, or it's that we're living in a dark time. Um, it really is amazing. I don't think there's. I, I just think that there's nobody now who feels comfortable doing what, mo- or or nobody in a certain world feels comfortable doing what Americans have kind of always done, which is sort of shrug and say, "Yeah, things are fine. They could be better." Uh, the guy, the guys, everybody in Washington's a bum, but it's all right. Like that's kind of the American attitude. Uh, they're all bums, but what you know? But uh, the we got we got jobs. That seems to be a hard thing for people to say now, which is very strange. It's a sign, I think, in general of a kind of a decadent prosperity. So when, you're, when you expect things to be so good, um, 
you start looking for all the tiny little flaws in them. And uh, that was brought home to me um, this morning. Uh, someone was uh, so casually mentioning on the on the day just casually something about uh, capitalism in a you know one of those sneering references to capitalism. And I thought that's just so strange to me that of all the points in history. At all the years that you could make a sneering uh, attack on capitalism, 2018, which is now I think has seen 40 years or 35 years at least of unbridled, ceaseless uh, increase in the health, the wealth, the longevity of, of, of the entire globe. I mean hundreds of millions of people, a billion people almost pulled out of abject poverty, uh, the, South, uh, the South Asian continent. Emerging from from the apocalypse, China no longer suffers from every sixty years of massive famine. These are these are entirely at the entirely because of capitalism, and the idea that we have to find some weird way to put it down, um, rather than saying, "Well, maybe it's flawed, or maybe there's still work to be done, or maybe there's still other things we can think about." That's fine, but to blame capitalism is so self evident. That the problems that we are all suffering under today are because of capitalism just takes a certain kind of delusional nuttiness that um, it's 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 funny until you know they get power and then it's not funny anymore. Rob, but it doesn't emphasize yeah, e- emphasis here. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is taking place at Ole Miss. This is not taking place at, at Univers- Yale and New Haven no, no, no. or this Harvard University and Cambridge. This is but University. This, <laughs> yeah. But are the speakers from elsewhere? In other words, what I'm asking no, 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 is, no. has the rot penetrated all the well, way to Ole Miss? Well, of course. I mean, all universities are the same. Uh, they have they, because they have tenure. They have a certain kind of uh, culture and society, and those culture right. and society sort of encourages a kind of a. Uh, I mean, your life is so rosy that your outlook has to sort of compensate for that. Um, you know, because oh, like you know, no, no, people don't have tenure in real life. No one has tenure. That's that's a, a fantastic idea that could only be you know. But if you have tenure, you have to earn it. You know, you have to pay for it. And the way we want to pay for your comfort is to sort of be pointing out the discomfort for everybody else or inventing new discomforts for yourself. I mean, we've all become versions of the princess and the princess and the pea. Rob, I'm just I'm shaking my hand here. What you don't realize is all of these wonderful things that you talk about. It could have been twice as good if some other economic system had done them. If we'd had socialism, we would have been twice as good as the situation we're in now, and we wouldn't have inequality. We wouldn't have all these structural inequities and all the rest of it. And everybody who's oppressed now in Western society would be elevated. Uh, as long as there's the, the existence of an inequality, it is it, it damns the system. I mean, that's it. If inequality exists, it is fi- prima facie proof that the system itself is flawed and must be replaced with something else. I, mean, I was reading this article the other day about uh, called Against Creativity. This brave guy had come <laughs> out, and he was against creativity because anything that is revolutionary or new is immediately commodified by capitalism and turned into a product. And it's their way of making us think that right. things are int- – but actually it's just – it's this massive little game that they're playing on us. Um, well, I had, a, I, I had an interesting conversation today at lunch um, because you know, in the food you – know, this is a food conference. And it's, you know, it's an organization, Southern Food Waste Alliance I love very much, been on the board for years. And, and I, yeah, I support it, and I think it's doing great work, and it's doing amazing, amazing historical work and, and oral histories. And so the academic part of it is really, really top-notch. So having, you know, but there's a lot, a lot of food people. We talk about food a lot, and so I'm set lunch, and it's a fantastic lunch made by uh, the, uh, the chef uh, Mashama Bailey, who runs a restaurant called The Gray in Savannah. And if you're anywhere 
within 100 miles. Got to go to the gray. It's fantastic. She's a, just a genius. But at a certain point, we're talking about authentic food, authenticity, and not inauthenticity and all that stuff. And um, at our little corner of the table, someone – we were just talking about like there's, there's a joy to inauthentic food too. There's something fun about you know red sauce. We call it, we call it red sauce Italian, which is not an Italian food that you could get in Italy, but you can get it in New Jersey and in New York and certain <laughs> like Philadelphia. It's delicious. Um, there's a certain kind of American Chinese food, a chop suey, and that stuff that, that, that if it's done right, it can be really really interesting and fun. There's a certain I mean, there's a certain kind of American uh, Mexican food that you know right. the enchilada plate, which can be I mean yeah, there, you could, Enrique Oliveira's restaurant at, in uh, New York called Cosmates, one of the best restaurants in the country. They he he has a restaurant that specializes in that kind of thing, and I'd say the same thing about Indian food. You know the places where you could get old waspy dishes like lamb curry, which you know weren't really like Indian curry, but they were they were marvelous kind of mix ups of very American ways of cooking ethnic food and maybe making it a little bit more bland than the authentic way. But that's still really interesting how we how what we see on our plate. You know, you go to an American right. restaurant and you order nachos. Yeah. You're, you're, you're talking about cultural appropriation that denies, totally. the, li- that denies the lived experience of totally. these marginalized people. Yeah, but I don't think it denies it, but I, th- I know what you're saying. That's always the pushback. But and yet yeah. the, the, the funny thing about it is that, like, yes, exactly. I'm talking about cultural appropriation, which I think is great. As do, I, don't th- I don't think it's something to be excused. I think it's fantastic. No, as More do, cultural as, appreci- uh, appropriation streams America. As, as, do, as do I. And the people who say what I just said are the most joyless people you can <laughs> yeah, possibly exactly imagine. Right. Nobody wants to be yeah. around them because they want to draw lines around everything and forbid everybody to do anything that isn't essential to the you know where they went to grade school. Drives you nuts. Well, I, I'm not surprised that the rot has reached there. But I am happy that you made a pitch for meatloaf and nachos with American cheese and the rest of it. Millennials apparently according to Bloomberg this week, are killing American cheese because they don't want processed food and there's so many other interesting alternatives out there. I think they're right. But um, I'm waiting for the next thing for millennials to kill because yeah. apparently they're taking requests now. And I'm wondering, <laughs> I'm wondering if it'll be one of the streaming services and perhaps we should end here um, because Rob, TV guy that it is, um, I just read something the other day that said, once again, this is peak TV. It's never been better. Uh, so, Peter, what are you watching now? Let's give everybody a recommendation before we wind up. I just finished. I downloaded a couple of uh, episodes and finished it on the flight back from New York yesterday. I just love this show, and I just finished season three, which is which may be the final season. I don't know whether they're going to make another one. Better Call Saul is brilliantly acted. Humor, drama, crime. Camera angles, music, everything about every minute is fresh and interesting. That, and then my wife and I are starting season three of Man in the High Castle. And you know what? This season, it's slow. Mm -hmm. It's slow so far. It's slow so far. Anyway, those are the two things we're watching. It is peaked. I mean, I don't remember TV this good. No. Rob, how about you? Well, I remember when it was this good. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, aside from, yeah, of no, course, okay, certain fine, sitcoms whatever. in the 80s. Uh, yeah, you so. know, I, I, I push back on all of this. Uh, the, I push back on all this little fancy TV. I don't like it when people say to me, oh, this show's really good. But, you know, the first four episodes are slow. Four, <laughs> four episodes are slow? That's, you know, two or three hours of my life. Forget it. Um, the one, here's what I'm watching, and it's a guilty pleasure. It's on Netflix. It's called The Windsors. If you ever, if you ever watch The Crown, this is the, the cruel, low, 
hilarious version of the Windsors. It's really about the contemporary Windsor, the contemporary royal family in Britain. Uh, actors are playing all the characters, except you never see the Queen and you never see Prince Philip because they, they won't attack the Queen. But it is vicious and hilarious. They're all played as sort of slightly uh, brain-addled, not very bright, not very smart, not very plugged in, uh, uh, you know, kind of dysfunctional family. But it is absolutely hilarious and the kind of character assassination and sheer cruelty that only the English can really do. Uh, and if you have any, if you, if you watch the crown and you liked it, this is the perfect antidote. Ah, good. I'll give you my recommendations in just a second. I just have to tell you first, that this podcast was brought to you by quip by floor and by calm support them for supporting us. And you get wonderful things in the meantime, you get the best brush teeth you've ever had. You smell better than anybody you ever know. And you're going to be calm What what more do you wish out of life? Yeah. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, you might want to head off to iTunes, drop a little review. Those reviews always alert new people to discover us, which keeps it going. And then they sign up. Hopefully, uh, or by which I mean they sign up in a hopeful fashion. And then that money keeps the show going and Ricochet is happy and you'll be happy when we're here for the 2024 election. Uh, as far as what I'm watching the other day, I was I started watching this show, highly recommended by all my friends, uh, Maniac, Jonah Hill, oh, yeah. Clark. Um, and it's it, it had this great retro 80s clunky futurism to it, sort of Blade Runner without the fog. It was intriguing. And it was. And I watched a couple episodes. And by the third and by the fourth, it started to get incredibly self-indulgent. Um, and it's like, okay, this is all going on in the characters' heads. And apparently, it, it's brilliant. Apparently, it's obscurity is what makes it fascinating. And apparently, mm. it's just not, you know, usually stuff like this is in my lane. But I'm finding myself increasingly less likely to stick with something that is just so indulgent and doesn't even bother to ever tell you what's going on because it's, they've got license to do so. And I'm sure Rob remembers the golden age of television where, you know, a show was Mannix, crime solved, credits, yeah. Qu Quinn Martin yeah. production. And well, I don't, I don't necessarily want to go back to that. And I do like a lot of the sci-fi that's come up in the cable channels. There was just something about this that said, I don't like these people, and I don't want to spend any more time with them. So what do I, I end up spending time with Billy Bob Thornton in an Amazon early show called Goliath where he's a lawyer? Get this. He's on the skids. Believe it or not, he drinks too much, even though for all of his drinking, never slurs his word. Get this. He's got a beef going with a partner of the old law firm that he's no longer in, who's, Will, who's William Hurt with his face horribly scarred. Get this, he's got a legal assistant who's also a hooker, and she's gorgeous. In other words, every David <laughs> Kelly cliche in the book. But the thing of it is, I know I'm guaranteed that after eight episodes, I'm going to have an answer. And there are right. shows where I kind of want that answer at the end of it, even if it's like Occupied, where you, you, it's a little bit more unclear as to what goes on. Even like uh, Man in the High Castle, where Peter, you'll have to tell us at the end of this if you kind of get that answer. But the more indulgent, like Legion, they get, and the more it's just a brilliant exercise roaming around the endless corridors of the cerebral. You know, uh, I'm not so sure, which makes me sound, I know, like an utter Philistine. Anyway, um, the comments will now probably be all television shows. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> do so. Tell everybody how great you think Molly is and, um, and what you think about the Senate and all the rest of it. And you can do that if you pay us money because that's what we want you to do ricochet is supported by you the listener gosh i sound like npr um so support us right peter rob it's been a pleasure and we'll see you guys next week next week next week fellas eat some grits for us rob 
I already did. Too late. Ricochet. Join the conversation. <laughs>